Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 31, verse 22. Let's go. Genesis 31, 22. Laban pursues Jacob. Uh, 22. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. So what's going on here? We talked about it yesterday. Jacob had had enough with Laban, his father-in-law, his, also his uncle, also his employer, and Laban had just been screwing him over for 20 years. So Jacob was like, I'm out. I'm done. I've amassed my wealth. I've got my camels, my donkeys, my servants, my wives, my children. I'm getting out of here. But I can't tell Laban because Laban would connive me and uh, you know con me into doing something else, and I wouldn't be able to say no out of respect. So I'm just going to roll out. We're out. So here he is. He's got a lot moving with him, right? He's got herds and everything, so he's not traveling that quickly. And Laban finds out. Three days later, Laban's like, let's go get him, boys. So he takes him in seven days. So in seven days, they catch up with him. He had a three, Jacob and his crew had a three-day head start. So uh, it took him about seven days total to catch up to him. And then they catch up to him. And 24 says, But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So God knew that Laban was being led by Satan. All these things that he had done, he wasn't worshiping God. And Jacob was listening to God's voice. And now God speaks to Jacob in a dream. And remember, if you don't think that God can speak to people in dreams or audibly, I will speak to the dream portion right now. Go and read a book called Dreams and Visions. Go, go and read any book written by an MBB, a Muslim background believer, someone who grew up in the Muslim religion, Islam, and came to Christ and they will tell you story after story, typically a personal story about how God appeared to them in a dream. I'm not saying it always happens that way, but there are so many stories. I mean, so many stories and books written about this. So God does speak to a lot of people in dreams. He hasn't to me, uh, but he has to a lot in particular Muslim background believers for whatever reason. Um, so he's speaking here to Laban in a dream and, uh, 25 says, so Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead 26. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with the sword? So Laban is playing the victim here. He's like, you have done this to me. Can you believe this? And remember these two con men going back and forth all these years, Jacob and Laban, screwing each other out of everything. Uh, and Jacob, you know, deceived his father, Isaac, and his brother Esau. That's why he had to flee for his life. And then he got a taste of his own medicine when Laban was screwing him over for the last 20 years, changed his wages 10 times. Switched his bride on him, right? He woke up next to the wrong wife. He's like, who is this? What did you do to me? And so he ended up with two wives because of that. And every time Laban was like, oh, just work for me for another seven years. Work for me for another amount of time. And I'll give you what you want. Yes, yes. Oh, we got to change your wages again. I know, I know. Right? That kind of that kind of character, that kind of person. But one thing we want to think about is... How can we expect someone who doesn't know God to act like they know God? 
And why are we surprised when someone who doesn't know God acts like they don't know God? Right here, Laban was not being led by God. He was being led by the opposite. Or not the opposite, but he wasn't listening to God. He was, you know, a pawn of Satan, if you will. And everybody's like, oh, I'm not a Satan worshiper. Um, you know, I may not believe in Jesus or go to church, or maybe I go to church a couple of times a year, but, you know, I'm not a Bible beater. I'm not a Christ follower. I'm not the Jesus freak, a Jesus fanatic. I'm just this guy over here. Well, you're being led by Satan because Satan works in different ways, right? He's got one, you know, works in one way, let's say, where he wants people to say, there is no God. That's kind of the atheist position. Or there is a God, but boom, it's the God of Islam. It's the God of Mormons. It's the God of, uh, you know, the multi, the, the millions of gods that uh, are available through the um, Hindu religion, you know, that type of deal. Or it's just an indifference to God. Or it's the the agnostic where he wants people to doubt God. We're like, I don't know. Maybe there's a God. Maybe there's not. I don't know. I don't have time to think about it. I got to work. I got family. I got to work out. got to plan vacations. Right? He wants to make us busy. So he may have people say, there is no God. Uh, I hate God. Um, there is a God, but it's this other God. There's millions of gods. I doubt that there's a God. I used to believe in God, but now, you know, I've gone through these circumstances. God wasn't there for me. Got divorced, lost my job. Someone close to me died. I got cancer. All these things. So if you look around, it's not just like, oh, only Satan worshipers are being led by Satan. No, anybody who is not acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and Savior and putting Jesus first in their life as the preeminent, the number one, numero uno priority, that person is being led and misled by Satan, whether they know it or they don't know it, and typically they don't. Um, so I wanted to clarify that. I hope for that, hopefully that's helpful. One of the things that, you know, one of my best friends and pastors, Pastor Dave says to me, or says to the congregation as well, he says, why are we surprised when someone who doesn't know God acts like they don't know God? And it's always surprising to me. I'm like, how did they do that? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. They don't know God. That's why they did that. They're not being led by the same compass, right? They could. God put eternity in all of our hearts there's a god-sized hole in each of our hearts and it's only it can only be filled by god nothing else can fill that and that's why you'll see so many people who make it big rich put their names on buildings have generational wealth and they're unhappy uh they'll, they'll be in movies and hollywood and have fame and fortune and all this stuff and they're unhappy how do we know unhappiness we see divorce after divorce we see uh, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, uh, suicides, uh, levels of depression, etc. So it's because they're missing something. And that something is the God God filling their lives, living in them. Because the Holy Spirit wants to indwell us. All right. So we've gone, gone here and Laban's playing this victim. He's like, what have you done to me? You've taken my daughters. You know, Jacob's probably thinking to himself, well, your daughters are also my wives. And it's time for us to do our own thing. So here we go in 27. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp. Really? Do you think Jacob trusts Laban at all at this point? He did the old switcheroo on the wife. He changed his wages 10 times. He undermined him, connived him every chance he got. There's no way that Jacob has any, uh, well, in my opinion, I don't think he has any trust for Laban. I don't think he has any respect, probably, 
uh, left for Laban after how he's been screwing. And here Laban's like, dude, if you'd have just told me my son-in-law, my nephew, my employee, I would have taken care of you. I've given you everything you wanted. Uh, no. 28. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? So Laban catches up to him. He's like, I had a dream. Your God, actually the God of your father, right? He's talking about the God of Isaac and and Abraham, uh, appeared to me in a dream and spoke to me. So I heard this. So he's kind of acknowledging, okay, your God is real because he spoke to me. Um, So it's really interesting dynamic we have going on here. And he's like, all right, all right, so I won't do you harm, but you took my daughters, and now you've, you've taken my, my gods, right? Do you see this? He says, why did you steal my gods? Little G, not big G. There's only one big G God, and that's God, and he's the Trinity. He's got Father's God the Father, God the Son, God the uh, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, however you want to term him. Um, it's three persons and one Godhead, Right? One God only. And here he's saying, steal my gods. So they had these trinkets. We talked about it yesterday. That they would keep around their house, like on a shelf. And this is their, like, little god. They'd worship it. They'd idolize it. And whoever got it was kind of like getting, you know, the inheritance and the wealth. It was like, you're going to get this. And you're going to kind of control and get wealth and all this stuff. And he's saying, you took these. But... Jacob doesn't know what he's talking about. In verse 31, it says, Then Jacob answered and said to him, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Jacob's like, Go and look for your gods. I don't have them. And he was being honest. He didn't take them. And he didn't know of anybody that did take him. He didn't even know that his little idol gods were uh, stolen. And think about this, people. If your God can be stolen, is it a God? If your God can be broken, hidden, stolen, is that a God? And there are literally people around the world who worship figurines of something. They may be they may be able to fit in their palm. They may be the you know, size of a human, or they may be statuesque and you know, 10 feet, 50 feet, 100 feet tall, and they worship these things. Don't worship something that can be broken, stolen, ruined, that was made by people's hands. Worship the one true God. So we'll talk a little bit more about this and pick up probably here in 31, 32 tomorrow. Lord, help us not to worship anything other than you. Help us to understand that if we are not following you and chasing after you, Jesus, then we are being led by Satan, truly. Satan wants us to hate you. He wants to say you don't exist. He wants us to say to ignore you. He wants us to doubt you or just say we're too busy. Or the big one, for someone to say, I thought God was real, but he didn't show up when I needed him. Lord, help us to understand that all things work together for good to those who love you. Help us to understand what the evil intends for good. You mean for good. And help us to understand that we should count it all joy when we go through various trials. And we will. Give us the strength, this perseverance, and help us to keep our eyes on you today, Lord. Amen.
This podcast brought to you in part by the Portfolio Protection Store, where smart investors go to protect their life savings from stock market losses. Visit our website to register for our webinar, theportfolioprotectionstore.com. The webinar is about portfolio protection and safe money ideas for ages 50 plus. Visit theportfolioprotectionstore.com. Located in Austin, Texas, license number 288-7886.